Crusoe. Welcome episode 158 of Podcast Polaroid. My name is Russell and uh, and who are you? Oh, hello. My name is Leon. Hi, Russell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great by surprise there. Episode 158. So if episodes were caps, we wouldn't be a male player because there's no male players on 158 caps. We could, however, be either Cindy Parlow, American international, or Anya Mittag, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, who played for Germany Anya between 2004-2017. So do you have any preference who you are? Anya Mittag. Mittag is, uh, means uh, midday. So, uh, midday. yeah, that's, that's oh, okay. what I kind of would like to be able to get up if I uh, <laughs> was ever allowed to sleep in that late. So I'll go, I'll go with Anya Mittag. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be Cindy then. Um, how are you keeping anyway? Yeah, not too bad. Um, this one's coming at you from um, Axams. I'm staying with my uh, mother-in-law. Axams is a, a, vil- a village. They call it a village, even though it's like five thousand people living here. It still qualifies as a village um, up in the mountains from 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 Innsbruck because we're having some work done on our flat, so we can't we can't live at home at the moment. So we're up in the mountains and it's just involving a lot of driving, like the kids to school and to work and stuff at the moment. So it's um, things are a bit sort of full on, but uh, it's cool. We'll have a we'll have a kind of. And, and a, a flat that's kind of like new when uh, <laughs> when we're all done, hopefully by by, yeah, cool. uh, by next month, yeah, sometime. And so, kind of how far from where you? Yeah, it's a good uh, sort of uh, eight miles or so up, a, but like up a mountain. Um, um, so, uh, Axams, if you for a sporty connection, um, the downhill skiing at the 76 winter olympics was held in axams when it was uh if you if you yeah if you if you've heard of um franz klammer uh he famously won uh on a, not sorry not the downhill i think the downhill was at patrick or uh but some the slalom perhaps or it might have been the 64 olympics but anyway some somebody some of the olympic skiing you know, over 64 or 76 was held in Axams. Axam Elitzum is the mountain here. So there you go, some sport history for you people. We will be looking ahead, um, obviously, to the doubleheader Armenia at home, Turkey away, coming up this weekend. It's Wednesday the 14th, so it's a, a couple of a couple of days still to go, a little bit late on this one. Season going on for about another 27th month <laughs> in a row, it feels like. <laughs> um, and before we before we get started in that, um, I have I haven't actually read anything to this effect, but my 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 lad was telling me that Brentford have put in a thirty million quid bid for Brennan Johnson, who was obviously returning to to, to the squad. So I mean, maybe in terms of uh, uh, in the preparation, we could have done without any distractions. I don't know, but um, I can't imagine this is the first bid that Forrest ever had for who is clearly a player destined for for, for great things. Um, seems to have some legs though. Uh, I understand it, and of course, Ivan, Ivan Tony's going to be unavailable for a while. So clearly, they've got a vacancy up top. So thoughts? Well, um, my immediate thought is, um, it seems very much a sideways move. Why bother? From Bren- from a sort of Brennan Johnson point of view, I mean, I, no, it's no disrespect to Brentford, who obviously you know are a really good side and, and finished way above Forest in the league this season. But you know, traditionally, Forest are a bigger club, 
and it's you know he's from Nottingham, Brennan Johnson. You just think like why, why bother leaving Forest for 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 Brentford? And you know thirty million is serious money, so it's like you know they 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 want him. Um, I suppose it's going to be like whether Forest entertain the idea of actually selling him. I doubt it will happen because I just think you know he should be probably looking to move to a club that's playing in Europe. Um, as a sort of next step in his career, I'd have thought. Um, you know, like a, I don't, you know, not. I, there were rumours that maybe that Pep was possibly looking at him for Man City. I don't know if there was anything to that. But yeah, I think that was was either last episode or the one before that. That was uh, I say doing the rounds. It, uh, it, it 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 crossed my uh, my feed anyway. No, I think I'll probably probably agree with you. Actually, I think you know, Brentford are clearly a very well-run club, and Thomas Frank's a very very good manager. But you do suspect that, um, yeah, if he holds out, there's going to be some more, more you know, more interest from, from from bigger clubs. It's interesting whether you know the fact that this has gone public, whether that is kind of Forest way almost of, of 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 you know maybe inviting other other bids and entering into some sort of auction. Um, if that is mm. the case, I wouldn't mind it just sort of waiting a couple of days so that. Uh, he can remain 100% focused on the, on the games coming up because I'm sure he's going to figure quite prominently. But um, I mean, I think maybe it's not like um, I know what inside uh, Jurgen Klopp's mind, for instance. But I just think so, some Liverpool might be a good fit, you know, especially as they're lo- you know they're losing Firmino this year, and um, there'll be some changes there, and probably they can't wouldn't be shopping in the places that they would usually hope to be shopping because they're not in the Champions League. But, you know, he's, I don't know, he sort of, for me, he sort of fits the profile of a, a possible Liverpool player. Yeah, I can see that. There you go. <laughs> Johnson's yeah. Liverpool, heard it here first. Start that rumour. <laughs> OK, Armenia. We um, played them twice. I can remember us playing them twice back in 2001, qualification campaign for what would that be Euro no so that would have been 2002 so like Japan uh, South Korea one wasn't it yeah and we had actually look at this group and it's kind of like I don't do you get groups like this anymore Poland Ukraine Belarus Norway ourselves and Armenia it's kind of like very but every, everybody else in Europe probably looked at that and just went what a boring group <laughs> and there were lots of draws in that as well we managed to only win one game in that campaign I mean we've done the, the Hughes years haven't we previously and of course this was smack bang in the middle of his his reign um, th- there is an upturn in the sense that we have become a little bit harder to beat so when you conceded 12 goals in all of those 10 games um, we only scored 10 goals nobody scored fewer than, than us other than Armenia um, we finished bottom but one with only nine points. One, one, drew six, lost three. And if anything kind of summed up that campaign, it's the home game um, at the Millennium Stadium, which I know you've penned some recollections of. I think I've pretty much forgotten all of that game down to the, the, the deep-seated trauma it caused because it was, I think, possibly the worst game I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't really remember. That was in September. Earlier in that year, in the March, we faced them away with you two all. I think I watched it live. I don't really remember much of the game. John Hartson scored both the goals. But there was something to you before we started. It's really at the fag end of that era where we would be playing in these far-flung places. And Yerevan is about as far-flung as we're going to get in, in, terms, of, in terms of European uh, countries anyway. And it, it's that kind of grainy footage. 
tiny little lag maybe on the on on the between the visuals and the sound and the camera the camera's miles away <laughs> um from from the action as well it, it's kind of yeah i have so many memories of youth in that i was no longer a young person at that point but it's the fag end of that before things went i guess digital or satellite or whatever whatever they are now, now are um i suppose a generation before us would refer to listening to games on medium wave on a, on, a, on, a, on a wireless on the, the world service of, of, of some description but um <laughs> what's your memories of, uh, of of either or both of those games the away game i i just remembered i can't i can't, even, I can't remember watching this game or anything but i do sort of have vague memories of hearts and scoring both goals and he was on a real hot streak at the time wasn't he he started really sort of um becoming like the main main man up front for us around that sort of time um and my memory of the one on 1st of september 2001 because i've just looked it up the date looked at the bbc report is that um i was working and i think i was working as a like a assistant chef at the time and i um listened to what I could on the radio and I'm just looking here Hartson was suspended which was a big loss for us because he was um, he like I said he would become a sort of main man attack and Nathan Blake was also suspended which meant that uh, Ewan Roberts came in to partner Bellamy in attack um, and Ewan Roberts uh, famously got more red call cards and goals for Wales so um, we were a bit toothless up top literally with <laughs> Ewan Roberts playing boom uh, there we go Ewan Roberts uh, was a, a really good player but it just um, yeah for, for Wales it just you know it just never happened for him and uh, even at home against Armenia we couldn't score a goal and I just remember yeah, the radio commentators sort of going on about how drab it was and how toothless it we looked, and it was all just very, very despondent. And that that draw meant we definitely weren't going to qualify for the World Cup. And then to make matters worse, that very evening England went to Munich and hammered Germany five one, and there was sort of quite a contrast in how it felt to be a Wales fan to. To how it felt to be an England fan, I would imagine, uh, on that evening. Well, I remember, well, I, as I said, I went to the game, remember very little of it. I just remember Giggs's miss, that was right in front of me, um, which was a bit of a shocker. And I can remember going afterward, hanging kind of around Wombe Street, the old horse, horse and groom, was it? Which is now, fee, I want to say fuel, it might be the bootlegger, anyway, um, when it was an, an old kind of back alley pub um, and won a Cardiff's best. Um, City Arms, I remember, and I can remember some. It turned out to be Cardiff fans because they ended up kind of t- talking to these to these people, a bit older than me, I think. Basically, kind of taking the piss out of us. I mean, these these weren't kind of England fans in Cardiff, you know, students or somebody, you know, taking the piss. It was kind of like you know other Welsh people basically taking the piss for having been to the game, and we obviously had colours on and stuff. And and I just remember how um, how 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 popular, how rammed a lot of the pubs were for that for that England Germany game. And not as neutral spectators, you know, I'm sure there would have been some, but there seemed to be a lot of people and they couldn't all have been English wanting England to win and, and really enjoying that, that win. Which, you know, 
you know, objectively speaking, was a fantastic win for England, and, and certainly from an English perspective, rec- fully recognise the the size of the of the rivalry that with with Germany. But yeah, no, I just I just I just remember thinking, oh my god, this this is about as bad as it as it had felt for a long, long time. And that's probably even accounting for for Bobby Gould's era as well. Yeah, yeah, because we had the sort of we'd had some hope and. Uh, with you know Sparky coming in, that thing you know that the players were behind him, and he you know he was a legend as a player, and he was going to turn things around. And then it just felt like, oh, why did we get our hopes up? You know, we're just we're just we're just as bad under Sparky as we have been for 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 years under the the old managers, and um, that's that's what felt kind of quite depressing about that that night. I think. Yeah, yeah. Put a couple of things out on Twitter about it earlier. Gitter Llewellyn was talking about it's his first ever Wales game. Amazed he even went back. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> I like this as well. I don't remember this being a thing at the Millennium, I've got to be honest. Moving seats to the opposite end. He remembers moving seats to the opposite end um, of the stadium at half time. That, yeah. that again sort of sums up quite <laughs> how bad it was. You've got something in Nation Cymru coming out, I think, in the next day or two about it. Um, I think I think I read when I saw a draft, you quote 18,000 was the, the yeah. um, capacity, the, sorry, yeah. not the capacity, clearly, the attendance. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I, don't, I wrote this piece um, about the Red World, basically. Uh, I, I wrote half of it before pre-World Cup actually I just never got around to finishing then and then uh, I sort of added a bit over the last few weeks and then um, uh, some in the last week because I felt it was interesting the contrast um, between that attendance of 18,000 at the Millennium Stadium which meant that there was you know it was three quarters empty basically that was like a quarter a quarter of the seats taken and the fact that this game against Armenia has sold out over two weeks in advance. And I know, you know, the stadium's smaller, obviously, but still, there's going to be a much bigger crowd for this game than there was in 2001. And, um, yeah, I think that's, like, testament to the, the, the kind of culture that's built up and, obviously, you know, the recent success of the team. But what was interesting for me is that, like, we're getting these really good, solid crowds now against unglamorous opponents like uh, Latvia last time out and Armenia, you know, who are ranked, uh, I think, 97th in the world. Um, and this is without, from, from our point of view, sort of really without the, abs- with, without the uh, presence of, um, kind of stardust, in a sense. You know, in, in 2001, you go back, you know, Giggs was captain, we had Bellamy, um, uh, Gary Speed, you know, um, the the likes of these players were around, actually I'm not sure if Speed played in that game but you know he was in the squad but these were kind of star players in the Premier League sort of thing and now um, you know post bail um, you know a captain plays for you know Nice who finished ninth in France and you know probably our probably our best player in the Premier League last season was Brennan Johnson who played for team who finished 16th you know it was you know we've not got like champions league players uh or like sort of latter stage champions league players doing the business at the moment so we've not you know there's not a huge amount of 
of stardust around our squad, but we've got this fantastic thing with the Red Wall and the culture that's built up, which means we, we've got a, a great uh, sellout crowd for a game against Armenia uh, under lights on a Friday night. Um, hopefully it should be a good atmosphere. And um, that, that you know, will help us, hopefully, get a result, a better result than we did in, in 2001. There'll be far fewer people clamouring around a, a TV in a city centre pub to watch uh, England versus uh, Malta, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, this isn't about them, it's about us. As you said, 97th in the world. I mean, they pushed Turkey a little bit. It's the only game they've played so far in the campaign. Went down 2-1 at home. They went ahead through an own goal. They were competitive. Turkey had enough and sort of snuck past them. I would say unknown quantities in the sense that we haven't seen a huge amount um, of them uh, recently. Um, let me just uh, call up their results in a moment. The, one of the teams sort of stands down, as it were, in our, in our five-team group. Um, they played a friendly, drew tool at home to Cyprus. They have lost in Albania, drawn in Kosovo, pushed Republic of Ireland 3-2 in the Nations League, um, but you're going back over, you know, almost a year then. So nothing that we should be fearing, really. And I suppose the cliche is, any, you know, if we want to qualify for tournaments, these are the fixtures we need to win. But there was some people grizzling about, about the game against Latvia. Uh, you know, I thought we, we did what we needed to do. It'd be great if we could smash all teams all the time, but you know, that's clearly not going to happen. I think it also overlooks the fact that we are maybe in more of a transition than perhaps people realise as well, I think. I think as well, you know, for some of these players who have been involved in playoffs and things, the season has been done for a best part of a month. I think that's one of the things with these fixtures all the time. Is um, is how do you how, how do they keep themselves ticking over with the absence of any action? Obviously, if anyone's been involved in playoffs or I mean, clearly not business end of European competition, but you know at least there's something there. It must be hard then to kind of get back up for a game emotionally when you want to be on the beach and and, and all of those cliches. So, um, Page has got a job on his hands. I, I I can see us in in this first game perhaps not being particularly fluent. And I'm hoping that the, the 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 fans maybe don't see that as just another example. It's more frustration. Possibly get a little bit on on the players' back. Not on the players' back. We don't do that, but we get a little bit impatient sometimes. I think is probably what I'm saying. How do you see it? Yeah, you know, I'm mid forties uh, as you are. Um, so, like, I'm of of um, an age where I would be, you know, we were just talking about remembering these games in 2001 or remembering them happening at least. Um, we didn't beat them in those two games where we played them previously. Well, I'm like grateful for, for any win. You know, I remember losing 5-0 in Georgia and losing 3-2 to Moldova. And, and like, you know, it's like Latvia. I mean, we won. Give me a 1-0, you know, offer me a 1-0 in this game. Uh, I'll take it. You know, I, I just want the three points. I don't really care <laughs> about like, oh, it needs to be kind of lots of goals and stuff. I think, uh, you know, perhaps what is is um, promising is is the way Page has been talking about um, how he was pleased with how we can kind of controlled the game against Latvia, which I felt we did. I felt we, you know, we didn't look in any danger of, of, of you know, conceding. A goal in that game, and you know we got the goal early enough to make it sort of fairly comfortable, but like you know, fairly routine. 
Pedro saying, yeah, he was pleased with a lot of aspects of that and the fact that we had more possession apparently in that game than we'd had in any game for five years, I think he said. Uh, but that, you know, the next touch is, is obviously to be more clinical up top and to, uh, you know, that's the, that's the next thing really. He, it, that's kind of what we want to be looking to do. And the fact that David Brooks is back and Brendan Johnson's back, obviously, uh, for this for this game, means we do have some options up top. Um, and we can, you know, and and he said that you know we can change formation in the game, and and we have players who are, who can who can do that. And uh, yeah, we you know Keith Moore, Dan James, David Brooks back, uh, Harry Wilson been in good form for Fulham. Um, who didn't I say here? Um, Brendan Johnson, of course, who will almost certainly start. Perhaps, perhaps, I don't, I, I don't know. I will, we'll take a 1-0, but perhaps um, we'll see a sort of Latvia-style performance with, 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 an, with an added goal or two to make it sort of a bit more comfortable for us than that game was. I mean, I wasn't. Uh, you know, we, we grew into the game in Croatia. We, I, you know, I didn't, like you, I didn't think we were... I think we were comfortable. I, at no point in that Latvia game did I think we were really going to concede, uh, weren't going to lose. And yeah, I would agree. I mean, that, that, exactly as you've you've said, there would be would be would be terrific. Um, I think what's interesting is Croatia aren't playing this window um, at all. Uh, at least they've got, they've got they're like playing the they're playing in the uh, Nations League semi final. Of, uh, of course, yeah, they are. against the Dutch uh, tonight. I think. Big, 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 big. If um, we win both games, we could be six points ahead of them. Albeit, you know, they'd have games in hand. But that's a massive marker. Just even to kind of get four points out of this, uh, like we had in the last window, I think would be would be terrific. I agree with what you're saying as well about Page. He's taken her up to, to Portugal as well. I mean, part of me sort of thinks, oh, that's the warm weather training, but possibly it's to avoid warm weather training the way it's been here uh, the last few days. A lot of time with them as well. So, I'm, I'm. I'm I'm hoping we can maybe, I don't know whether you're going to be looking at maybe some options, looking at maybe some other little tweaks, little tactical things here and there. But that's the thing for me is, that, you know, it'd be great to see David Brooks. I don't I don't think he'll start either game. I think he'll probably come on in, in one or both. Um, just to have him back in the squad, I think, is, is, is amazing. It's remarkable mm. given what he's gone through. And gives us a little bit of balance on the right, I think, which we've possibly... I said we've lacked. I mean, we haven't we haven't been without Bale for a, for a while yet. But someone who is just basically going to stay on that that touchline, float a little bit like Bale would do, but without that full clear license to roam, which I just think gives you a bit more scope, a bit more option then through the middle. And with Brennan back as well, um, Dan James has played through the middle as well. I can see us. I can see Page thinking, look, he's now got the raw materials to to be a little bit more offensive, to to have more cutting edge with that level of possession. And to me, Armenia are probably on a level with Latvia, give or take. So to replicate that amount of possession that we had at home, albeit at the end of the season, long season, a bit of downtime, maybe a little bit of rust, rustiness on the part of some of them. Boiler Council's forecast is going to still be warm the remainder of this week as well. But even taking all that into account, probably have about the same level of, uh, or the same proportion, should I say, of, of um, possession. I would hope that he is certainly planning for it. I don't think he's ever not planned to have it. I would expect him to want out of these players a bit more, to be a bit more lethal in front of goal. And if we can get one early, eh, uh, not floodgates, but I could see maybe two or three coming along. Uh, a bit like maybe the Belarus game 
uh, at home last time. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we'll score five like we did that game. But yeah, that's kind of you know, a really an early goal would really help settle us down. Um, yeah, I've, I think um, it seems that Page, from what he's been saying, he's learned from the World Cup at least that you know the way that we really have to go is to have Joe Morrell playing in there in a in a midfield sort of two behind Ramsey. Probably probably be a back four again, I'd imagine. Um, and then I, I'm just thinking, it's, it, it, would your kind of lineup be, you know, to, up front? Would it be, would you stick with Dan James, Dan, Dan James on the left, Kiefer Moore right, and, and uh, Brennan Johnson, sorry, Kiefer Moore through the middle and Brennan Johnson right, and sort of Aaron Ramsey sort of in the number 10 role, which means there's no room for for uh, Harry Wilson or what what would we do? Because with Brendan Johnson being back... I was erring towards that. I know uh, there was a piece earlier I saw the pages alluding to almost really the, the, the rest, if you like, that, that Johnson's had because he, he wasn't in the starting 11 for a couple of Forest games t- uh, t- towards the end of the season. And um, I think somebody made a point, I'm just trying to dig it out now, um, you know, Wilson is practically undroppable now. Um, oh yeah, G-Man's Boutique. Uh, given recent form in the Premier League, Harry Wilson is now a nailed-on starter and arguably our best player discuss. I think I wouldn't go that far. But I think if, as a lot of people do, say, oh, well, someone's playing a lot in the league, they're playing well, therefore they should start, irrespective of, you know, how they've been accommodated in the start in 11 or, or, or how they've come on from the bench in previous games. That kind of um, very, very simplistic logic that if someone is playing at a high level, therefore they should get in our start eleven. I can kind of understand why then he would he would want to get in. Um, I think he's possibly the one that's that is most at risk, unfortunately, in that lineup. It's a question of whether I think does he want, and it would be half, harsh on Kiefer Moore. It's whether if he does want a little bit more mobility up front, a little bit more interchange, then maybe you leave Kiefer to come on if we are needing a goal. We can go a little bit more direct. He's going to tie up a couple of defenders, that kind of thing. So maybe it's maybe it's Kiefer that that sacrificed. Yeah, I mean, I think I was just thinking about uh, how well he played last time out, and obviously got his goal against Latvia. That that makes him difficult to sort of to drop. And last time we did drop him, we we were bloody awful against uh, the Americans in the first half at the World Cup. These are the decisions. Uh, the pages is paid to make. I, I, you know, I, 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 yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah, so I don't. Yeah, it would be unlucky on Harry Wilson considering his good form for Fulham at the end of the season and how well he played in the at, um, the last uh, the last window for us as well. Uh, but I don't. I don't think he's kind of undroppable. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's just um, well, Page has got a decision to make there because I think you know he he surely would have learnt that. Ampadu and and uh, Morel have to have to play at the um, base in midfield. If he's gonna if he's gonna play a back four, we do need two defensive midfielders in there. I suppose there's an interesting one in that Ben Davis is also back. Does that mean he comes into play left back? We're keeping Mepper and Roden as the centre backs. I mean Tom Lockyer would have sort of come into the equation had it not been for his for what happened in the playoff final yes, of but like of but um yeah, yeah. so or does Ben Davis come in to play 
along uh, centre back in a in a two, and um, one of Roden and Mepham's dropped, or uh, you know, I suppose there's maybe question marks over Nico Williams, which makes um, if he can't play, then Davis comes in at left back, even though they're very sort of different types of defenders, really. But that's a an, you know another decision Page has got to make. Which would give us a little bit more of that kind of lopsidedness, um, if that's a, a word in respect of uh, football tactics, where you know he can step in and becomes a three at the back. You and you're allowed if you've got those holding midfielders, it allows Connor Roberts to to really bomb on and push high. Um, that other fad now, isn't it? The 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 fullback stepping in and supplementing the midfield, which I don't maybe possibly that that's what Page has been trying with respect to just the one you know with the one holding midfielder or. There are even no midfielders in some cases. I think our full-backs slash wing-backs are the right sort of players to be able to, to, to do that. They've got that mobility. They've got the athleticism. Ben Davis less so, I suppose. But you just expect him, if he does play, to slot back in and just to be you know a solid 7.5 out of 10, as he always is, sort of thing. But I'm not sure he's necessarily going to get forward to the same extent as... As, as Nico clearly does, um, and certainly not if he is going to get forward. You know, he's not going to be cutting in on his right and and and, and trying to whip yeah. the ball in. It's going to be very much swinging them yeah. in. Yeah, but his it's, it's, it's deep, from, it's deep um, crosses are very from yeah, his deep crosses are very good, aren't they? So they they are. I'm not sure necessarily whether we'd make the most of them without somebody to get on yeah. the end. Which of is them. then it's it is it, if Kiefer Moore plays, then we do have someone who can get on the end of them. Yeah, absolutely, and of course the other the other the other player who you know was was you know incredible in the air was 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 Bale as well, of course. So I suppose it comes back to that point where I said you know we are a bit more of a transition perhaps than than some people have recognised. The flip side to that is actually he's got more of his first choice players back now than he had last time. I think you'd probably would Tom Lockyer be in there? Yeah, possibly. Ronton Davis probably would be in there if he was if he was fit. Ruben Colwell, it looks like the decision has been made to give him some time out of the full squad and just have him ticking over in the 21s and bossing games, which apparently did the world accounts in the last window. Sorba Thomas isn't in the squad, is he? Uh, I'm just looking... Yeah, um, he's not. That's an interesting one. So he's one that's maybe sort of dropped out. I think there's still a lot more he can show for us uh, based on what he has done. I suppose the only other option at left-back would be... um, but Morgan Fox, who um, lots of call-ups down the years, yet to get a cap. But um, I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if we if we saw him. Yeah, I do think. I mean, it does depend on how the results go, how the games are being played out, and what the, the you know the scoreline is. But I, there's there's a few uncapped players. You saw the likes of Ollie Cooper and Jordan James finally win caps. Nathan Broadhead, obviously, as well in the last window. We've got Morgan Fox, we've got Joe Lowe, Josh Lowe's son, uncapped. Luke Harris is back in the squad again. Uh, he has been for a while. Uh, he's yet to win a cap. You've got Liam Cullen um, on option off the bench who hasn't won a cap yet. So uh, I can see another maybe one or two getting um, getting getting their debuts as well over the course yeah, of the Yeah, Gaz thinks he might have been at school with Joe Lowe's mum, yeah? So that's, that's how old we are. Which is, uh, yeah, horrifically... Um, yeah, depressing. Um, yeah, put it this way, he wouldn't have been born um, when we played Armenia last. He was born the following year. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking. Uh, yeah, 20th yeah, of February tricky. 2002, he was born. Yeah, so, yes. <laughs> We've not played Armenia in his lifetime. Do you know Do you know much no. about him? 
I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I know he scored for the twenty ones not so long ago, and I've seen a couple of people say that he's um, a prospect. But then there's so many people um, that you hear about on the internet. It wasn't even a name I recognised from the under twenty yeah. ones. He yeah. seems to have not had a huge amount. I mean, he is twenty ones. So he's not had a huge amount of of game time at junior level according to wiki three caps under 17s back five years ago so i don't know maybe he had sort of dropped out of the the reckoning at age grade level but has come back with a a real aplomb um, obviously so center back though is i think so again i it, it probably is in there it probably wouldn't have been in the squad if, if tom lockyer was was, yeah. was fitting well um and huge relief that he that he is well by all accounts mm-hmm. um i think all he needs to do now is just um you know relax make the most of it's going to be a phenomenal summer looking ahead to the Premier League with Luton, which is a remarkable story. Although we're both old enough to remember them in the, the old yeah. top division, so it's kind of like it is a great story, but <laughs> no, not not really. To me, Luton are like League Cup winners, you know. Andy Dibble sort yeah. of doing the business against Arsenal in '88, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, the, the Steen brothers and yeah, Fos- Foster and with his uh, headband. Foster, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Maybe. For me, the great stuff, the, you know, the, the remarkableness about Luton was that they ever found themselves non-league, Not, yeah, um, yeah, having been yeah. first division in, my, in, in in kind of our lifetimes, I suppose. But but yeah, no. So I mean, but, you know, congratulations to, to Tom Lockyer. Um, for a moment, that was pretty harrowing, worrying, and harrowing because we know how sometimes those things um, have ended um, with, with certain players, uh, not least the uh, the last Euros, of course, with Christian Eriksen. So, yeah, congratulations to, to Tom. But, yeah, I think he'd have probably been in the squad if um, yeah. if, if he was fitting well, and I, I can't imagine we'd have seen Joe, Joe Lowe. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine we'd be seeing much of him this window as well, but it's a good experience for them all, of course. Um, there's not a huge amount of goals in this squad either. Ramsey's top scorer with 20, then it's Kiefer with 10, uh, and then it's a bit of a drop off then to Wilson and James with five each. Mm. Yeah, it would seem like it. Probably R- Ramsey's yeah, getting on towards a third of the goals in that squad, I would imagine, something like that. Uh, Ramsey alone. Which, should we go back to the Paul Mullen debate? Do you want to have that now? I mean, like, again, uh, or should we just ignore that? Or <laughs> I mean, look, like, I mean I'll, I'll just say, um, I think that he's... Possibly for this one, maybe a bit unlu- well, not unlucky, but it just it it's the fact that you know Brennan Johnson's back and uh, David Brooks is back, and you know then not sort David Brooks is not a striker so much, but he is a forward. But um, that means that we're, we're together with like um, the emergence of um, Nathan Broadhead last time out with the, um, the goal that he got and. Absolutely fantastic end to the season that he had. Apparently, with uh, with Ipswich, he was he was superb, and they you know championship next season. He can look forward to that. Tom Bradshaw just had his probably his best season, really. Considering you know, I think he scored more goals before for Warsaw, but at a lower level. You know, I think he got seventeen god goals at championship level. It's probably probably his best ever season. So there's just maybe wasn't kind of room in the squad for. Um, Paul Mullin this time out because um, I took to see some wrecks and fans mention well you know how come you know Joe Lowe's got caught up he spent the last half of the season uh, on loan at a team that finished 16th in League Two and and you know we we would expect with Wrexham to finish a lot higher than 16th next season so what's the story there but I just think you know he's Joe Lowe is a defender and um you know, with the sort of 
absence of Tom Lockyer, as we've talked about, and um, there's room for a, a inexperienced defender to come into to the squad at this point. And I think from the way Page was talking, he wants to call Mullen up. It's just like he's going to wait till he scores goals in League Two, which I have absolutely no doubt that he will do. We can, I think we can expect to see Paul Mullen on the field for Wales in the autumn. I mean, Page is never going to completely, you know, bat that inquiry away from journalists. They keep asking it, so he's got to answer it. And you've got to, you've got to give a player hope. I felt that when he was talking about it being a, quite a jump up from National League to League Two, I was thinking, really, is it? He's already scored over 30 goals at that level. So... You know, even accounting for, I don't know, some sort of simplistic logic that he's maybe, you know, two years in the National League, he's not quite as sharp as he was, you know, uh, and two years older than he was two years ago in the, in the, in the League Two at Cambridge. Well, OK, fine. He's still, he's still worth 25, 26 goals at that level. It, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's Page's choice. I look at that squad, to be fair, all of those players have had, uh, I mean, Bradshaw came in last time, admittedly, so he's the one that's probably come in from a little bit further outside the squad than than anyone else. But it's not like he's picked four or five other strikers who've never had a, a call-up. You know, there's been a, a consistency in selection here. Money's just got to carry on doing what he's doing. I think if we had a friendly maybe this window and a qualifier, possibly. But I said in the last one I didn't expect to see him this season. I think if anything it's going to be next season. People are kind of looking at that fixture we've got against Gibraltar at Wrexham and seeing, oh, you know, there's obviously some sort of you know romantic, romantic kind of aspect to maybe getting a cap at the race course, etc. I don't know, would a game against Gibraltar really tell us a huge amount about him at the international level? I think it's got to be a more substantive fixture. But it is what it is. He will probably be getting his chance towards the end of this calendar year. The one variation on all of this, which I haven't seen anything of, I mean, you, you, you'll probably keep your ear to the ground more than me, but is if, if he does stay at Wrexham, because I would imagine there would be interest from other clubs in a player that scored the number of goals that he has. I can't yeah. imagine he'd be looking for a move, but I mean, if a championship club came in for him, could Wrexham afford to turn it down? Yeah, <laughs> um, we absolutely can afford to turn it down. It's funny because it it's apparently some interest uh, from Coventry in... Um, uh, Tom O'Connor, a young midfielder, yeah, defender, and it, the, the response from certain like Wrexham fans was just sort of like to laugh, which was quite f- funny considering Coventry were in the playoff final to get to the Premier League. Um, but it was just like, why would he go? Um, because he's a player who would be sort of looking to, you know, go up through the divisions with who's got he's a young player who's got a you know a higher ceiling but you know he'll be reaching you know a higher level with us and um there's kind of be no reason for him to go to a coventry and we sort of expect to be at coventry's kind of level with before too long um you know with with mullin i think you know it's probably a bit like a little bit like when trundle Talking about another Wrexham striker, when Trundle was at Swansea, and he was tearing it up, and they kind of—I I don't know the ins and outs of this, but I mean, Mullins got a book coming out this autumn, and I would well imagine that there's probably some sort of you know like 
deal been made whereby um with the, the, similar to what trundle had at swansea whereby it's like okay you sell this many shirts with trundle on the back and uh you know we give you this percentage or whatever there's maybe something like that with mullin and uh, you know the, the the book thing you know it's like is 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 going to be completely uh, like geared towards selling the book to wrexham fans and and like at this point if he went to another club you know I'd, I'd like some random championship club he just wouldn't have that connection so like the the book thing would be kind of kind of completely pointless or whatever and i just um for for all that he said about how he you know wanted to be back back home sort of near liverpool for his family's sake because he was living away from them when he was playing for cambridge you know it would be kind of hypocritical if he was to move to um a club that wasn't that you know wasn't within easy reach of Liverpool sort of thing, um, so I just don't you know I just don't see it happening. I just kind of can't see us losing our best players. Uh, it's like players want to come to Wrexham, not leave Wrexham. That's a, they want to be part of this whole journey and and you know the. The whole story, and uh, yeah, I no, don't see it happening at all. And I think that he will, he he'd be confident that by the time he's, well, I think he's twenty eight now, but that he'll be kind of pushing sort of championship level by his early thirties, and um, with Wrexham. So what would be really the point of jumping now? I think that's a fair and robust defence. You've put your case forward very, very well. <laughs> I've just had a look back and kind of like sort of scrolled above the line a little bit further. Um, and um, Armenia lost 9-0 to uh, Norway in a friendly just over a year ago. Right. There's actually some pretty horrific results in the last sort of year to 18 months. So maybe we should be giving them a bit of a pumping. But anyway, nevertheless, um, just with that kind of thrown in, um, can I press you for a prediction? Uh, I will say 2-0. 2-0. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So yeah. I'll say 3-0 then, Ooh. just to be slightly more optimistic. Yeah. Um, do you think we've got enough to maybe snatch a draw in Turkey? Yeah, that's the thing. I think, you know, it's an, it's like last time out, with the four points that we got, I would absolutely take four points again. It's, you know, try and win the home game and and, and grab a draw away. Um, it's gonna, That's going to be tough, you know. Um, Turkey in June will be hot. Not an easy place to go. Um, all of that, and they've just uh, they just had the Turkish Cup final just on Sunday. So I mean, I'm glad we've got this game against Armenia before Turkey. I'm glad we're not playing Turkey yes. first. Be, uh, be, and this at home as well, rather than having to travel all the way out over there. Exactly. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be particularly confident if it was like Friday night in Turkey. You know, with a lot of their players having just played in the Turkish Cup final a few days before. So I'm looking at it like, yeah, do the business against Armenia and that will kind of help help us going into the away game in Turkey, which is the tougher game, and we will get another another 1-1 one, one in Turkey. Oh, oh, that's my prediction there. Were you going to go for 1-1 one, one too? Oh, I was going to go 0-0, 1-1. I think a uh, draw is all we need. I don't think there's any point in you know recklessly going for it. If Turkey... Don't get a result in Latvia on Friday. That's their that's their other fixture this window. You know, if they only maybe get pick up a point, uh, or let alone lose, 
they may feel they've got to come at us a little bit. Do they possibly think they owe us one in the World Cup? Um, aside from the last Euros, which is probably one of our most comprehensive performances in a long, long time. I don't know. Interesting. I, th- I think certainly we could snatch a win, but I think I would settle for a draw. No, no question. And then let more go on on there. And their holidays. And then we face uh, we face South Korea in a friendly, which I thought was quite an interesting little fixture to get arranged. That's in September, early September, when we're the team to stand down in the five and uh, ahead of us then travelling to Latvia. So, yeah, some interesting, interesting fixtures that the FAW are coming up. And it was a really interesting thing I saw earlier on, I think it was on Nation Cymru again, talking about how the FAW are entertaining, you know, maybe trying to have some more fixtures with South Asian countries by way of, um, you know, just further kind of creating a sense of inclusiveness in the Red Wall, you know, people of colour who, who, who are maybe of South Asian uh, heritage. So that, that was quite interesting as well. Big um, populous countries as well. So um, you know, big exposure for Wales as well, which then kind of riffs on that whole kind of soft diplomacy thing as well that we heard a lot about at the World Cup and have heard a lot about for, for the last few years with uh, qualifying for tournaments and things. So, yeah, maybe there's going to be some more imaginative um, fixtures coming up. But yeah, that, who knows? I like, yeah, I like the sound of that. I just think I'm more excited by that than playing Gibraltar, certainly. Um, having said that, we've never played Gibraltar before. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, you know, kind of, I get it, you know, because they'll, they'll be, we'll be in camp in, in, in South Wales. And, but it's kind of a shame we're not playing that one in Wrexham. I think it's a bit more interesting than the Gibraltar game, which I don't think it's still not confirmed for Wrexham, but it's likely to be in Wrexham, isn't it, in October? My understanding is right. it is, yeah. I don't know whether there's maybe anything riding on it with respect to the, the COP redevelopments. I think the other angle with Gibraltar, of course, is that it's where Noel Mooney um, had been doing some work when he was at UEFA. So I think he'd been spending a bit of time with that particular association. So I think there's, I don't know, possibly there's a little uh, a little favour being done or, or is obviously, you know, making the most of existing you know, contacts and networks as well, I suppose. So um, maybe it's a little bit of a favour back to back to them as well. But it means, we, you know, we tick off another nation we've never played before. Uh, likewise, South Korea. So, um, yeah, um, only about another 100 <laughs> countries to, to go. So Kiribati, Tuvalu, Belize. We have played Bhutan away. before. Um, yeah, in, uncapped uh, though, wasn't it? Oh, was it? It's not in a fit. It's not yeah. in a count. Okay. No, uncapped. And cap sadly, and we have played South Korea under twenties level in the men's game. I couldn't tell you much about the women's game. We played them under twenty level back in the early two thousands. Not long, not around about that Armenia game. I think possibly a year or two later. Um, I think it was when we played Bosnia in a friendly. I've got it in a program, and I was having a little kind of clear out a couple of months back and looking through, and I think it was the first time we played Bosnia. But it was also advertising, or it was also doubling up as the program for us playing South Korea under 20 level not under not under 21 level under 20 level specifically mm. no memory of that game whatsoever at Ninian Park I think did you say what the score was sorry I think it was nil nil oh, I haven't prepped this so okay. put me on the <laughs> no spot worries. I'll edit it in later to make me sound incredibly yeah, yeah, nerdy uh, can I just got, could, yeah just want, want to mention one other thing is a good interview from uh, Chris Waffen on the BBC website with Dr. Ian Mitchell, and it's good that we have him back. Yes, uh, I think it, that's a positive, and I just wanted to mention that. I think that's, you know, an, another sort of change to to the backroom team since the World Cup, and yeah, we talked about how there needed to be some 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 changes, and that's 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 a really positive one, and I'm I'm glad. And he has a, a 
bigger remit, given him a bigger remit this time, he's kind of seen how much of an impact he had, you know, around the time of the year 2016. And then he went off to England and obviously, and and they they did well in a few tournaments and he can kind of, a couple more feathers in his cap there. And it's great, it's great we've got him back. That's a really positive thing, I think. Yes, yes, good point, good point. They're worth mentioning. And um, some of the books that came out and around that time and off the back of the 2016 were all very, very complimentary of, of him as were the players. And... Um, yeah, good to, uh, good to have him back. We'll overlook the time he spent with the dark side. I think we'll let him off. Unless maybe he was doing some sort of like secret agent work and on the surface of it was boosting them <laughs> mentally and psychologically, but actually was sowing long-term seeds of doubt to incapacitate these players. Maybe that's what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah think about it. Make him a true Welsh hero. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. he was responsible for those penalty misses in the in the Euros final against. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Right, so I'm just going to throw that conspiracy theory out there. I will let you carry on with your evening. Best luck with all of the the house type stuff. Yeah, um, yeah I'm sure we'll get round this mic next week to see how it all pans out. Until that next time. <laughs> <laughs>